Well, good morning, Spruce Grove Community Church. How are we this morning? We just want to welcome everybody watching online this morning as well. What an opportunity we have this morning to come before our King. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we do this. And we choose to not take it for granted. We choose to say today, God, I am going to give you all of my attention. Why? Because he is worthy. Why? Because he is faithful. Why? Because he is awesome. Why? Because he is amazing. So, Father God, this morning, as we come into the house of God, Father, we just choose to declare that you are good. We choose to declare that you are amazing. Father, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our weeks, we lay that all down. And today we say you are faithful. You are worthy of your worship. And Father, today we choose to give you our everything. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come. Come into our midst. Move into this place today. We give you glory in Jesus' name. So church, this morning, let's worship him with everything we have. You know, this morning as I look around, I see people in all different places of the journey. Today I see some with excitement on their faces. As I look out, I can see it's so easy for you to worship the Lord today. And I look around and I see others who are in that desert that Ben's singing about. And in that desert season, sometimes we feel the pull of life. Sometimes we feel the pressures. And sometimes it's not as easy to maybe raise our hand to the king. Sometimes it's not as easy to sing. Sometimes it's not even that easy to pray. But we're in the valley. When we're in that place, I know sometimes it's hard for us to understand, but this is the very place that we come to right now. The very place where living water exists. I can promise you this, that right now Jesus is here in this place. I can promise you this, that as you begin to declare and sing out his name, that he will meet you where you are at. I promise you this, that if you are void of living water, today he can bring you that water. I promise you this, if you feel anxiety and depression, I promise you today he can meet you where you're at. I promise you this, that if you're struggling with finances, that today as you come and meet with the king, he can guide you and lead you and direct you. I'm telling you, there is living water in front of us. So we're going to take one more minute and just begin to sing the name of Jesus because this is where the living water is at. There's no other place to go. It's Jesus. He has the answers. He is the solution. So today, whatever is going on in your journey, let's honor him. Let's come and taste of that living water that is right in front of us today. So for some of you, that might just mean you have to sing out. For others, that may mean you have to raise your hand today. I'm going to ask you this, though. Don't just sit where you're at. Just begin to dwell with the Father for one more minute. Whatever that looks like for you, go to that living water right now. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about who's beside you. Go to that living water right now.
Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I, I get there's something in our nature that and we want to find that book that's going to help us with our situation. We want to find something online that, that is just that quick fix. Sometimes we want to go find that preacher, that right guy. He's the guy. Let me tell you, that living water is in front of you every day. You don't have to go to another building. You don't even have to leave your house. That living water is in front of us day by day, moment by moment. God, teach us how to come to you by faith. Father, I pray, teach us now, Lord, to push against our doubts, our fears. We desire living water that comes from one place. And that's you, Jesus. Can we say amen? Wow, wow, wow. Amen, amen. So I announce today that the name of the Lord is great. I announce today that this house will bless the Lord. I announce today that he heals all of our diseases, that he redeems our lives from the pit, that he crowns us with love and compassion, that he forgives all our sins. I announce that today. I announce that to the principalities. I announce it over Spruce Grove that our God is great and there is none greater than him. There is no one like our God. We announce it. We announce it. We announce it. We announce it out loud. Amen. Wow. Wow, just as he said, Dad's going to come bring the announcements. I'm like, also he says, well, announce me. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, he's returning. He's returning. He's returning. Ha, and as we bless the name of the Lord this morning, oh, man, I have not known how to pray, how to pray for Turkey and Syria this week. I have not known how to pray. I have not known how to pray when things come on our, our Signal app group that says that somebody, a little 13-year-old, has a tumor on her brain and doesn't know, uh, she's terrified, and, and the doctors don't even know what to do. I don't know what to do, but... In this moment, this morning, all through the morning, I bless the name of the Lord. I just bless the name of the Lord over Turkey. I bless the name of the Lord. I see praise rising up over Turkey and Syria. I see the sound of praise. I hear it. I hear it across the world. We raise a sound. We raise a sound. We raise a sound. We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord. We bless with all that is within us. We bless his holy name with all that is within us. We bless his holy name. That's all we can do. It's all we can do. But it's the best thing to do. Uh, I don't have words. I don't have, I don't have strategy. But I bless the name of the Lord. And he moves everything. He changes everything. When I open my, up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. Oh, Lord, I'm not there. For, I, I don't have the faith for that yet. But I sang it over and over again this morning so that I would get there. I need to get there. That out of our mouths would come. Well, today I'm, I'm just honored. I'm really honored to have this gentleman with us today, too. In front of me is a man that I just met today, but we've talked on the phone a few times. His name is Dan Danahauer. And Dan, uh, I just spent a little bit of time with him today, and I can just feel the presence of God all over him. I'm so excited about the word that God has birthed in your heart. right? And so as he comes today, I want us as a church just to receive him and to receive what he has to say. Back to this guy. 
Mr. Dan, who is in the house today. I mean, this guy is a reverend. Uh, He's worked in the ministry. He presently goes to uh, Hope City, uh, the Terwilliger campus. He's a therapist. He, He does it all. And so, you know what? We reached out to him because one of the things that God's been speaking to us about is, you know what, as a church, you know, we need to, to work on the innards a bit, Amen. right? In order to, to do what we're called to do as the body of Christ, we, made, we need to make sure that we're whole and healthy. And I think we all know this, that if we look in North America right now, we can see there is an attack, right, on family, right? And when we look at marriages, we see that there is an attack on marriages. And so you know what, as a church, we have a responsibility, and our resp- responsibility is to stand up and fight against that. Our responsibility is to make sure that our own bodies are healthy and whole and healed up. And so today as a church, I'm going to ask you to go on a bit of a journey as we talk about marriages a bit. And we'll probably stray a little bit too, I'm sure, right? But you know what? Let's just really ask the Lord to begin to do something. Yeah. I know there are probably people in here right now that you're struggling in your marriage. I'm going to ask you by faith today just to start to shift something inside yourself. I'm going to ask you that by faith today that you're going to start to say today's a new day. Today is a day where something shifts in my own marriage. And I know some of us are aware of marriages, you know, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our community. We can actually begin to stand for that today too. So today I'm telling you this isn't just a message about marriage. This is us battling against the forces of darkness that want to end the marriages in our communities, that want to end the marriages in our church. But we're going to say what? We're going to say no. No, not on our watch. And so you know what? We need to have some of these discussions. So if you're not married today, you probably will someday. So this is important for you. But I'm going to ask all of us to engage and to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead us and to direct us in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? amen. Let's welcome Dan. Dan, so excited. Well, I almost feel like I have to take my shoes off. <laughs> no. <laughs> As uh, your pastor said, um, my name is Daniel Danhauer. Um, everybody goes, actually, when my wife uh, first mes- met me in, or saw me in Bible college uh, many, many years ago, um, she said to her friend, who in their right mind would name their kid Dan Danhauer? <laughs> And then when we uh, ended up on a singing group together, and uh, she started asking me the question, obviously her friend told me, and I said, well, Dan Hauer is actually my adopted name. And, uh, and so, quick little, quick little background, um, I grew up in a, in a small community in BC, and my bio dad was an alcoholic and uh, fairly abusive. He left when I was about five, I have an older brother. Um, uh, five or six, and uh, I had to go through a lot of stuff in my life. I had to go through a lot of... Uh, Struggles and torment. Uh, I'll be honest with you, and uh, I'll just be—I'm very transparent. So, um, forgive me, or or just receive. Um, it's up to you. You know, it's up to you. Um, and I know that my triggers and those things that still affect me today um, um, are still rejection and abandonment and uh, and injustice. And as a counselor and as a pastor, I still fight for the the the, the ones that need to be fighted for. And uh, and today, so I want to fight for you today. I want to fight for you today through the Word of God, because there's something about God's Word and what God is doing in our lives that's going to make a difference 
not only personally, but in your marriage and in your church and in this community. And um, Pastor warned me about the flags, and I did get hit once. And uh, (laughs) I just thought it was God hit me, and I went, thank you, Lord. And all of a sudden, there's the flag right in front of me. Thank you, Jesus. It was awesome. Um, uh, So quick, quick, uh, so that's that's my far back story. You know, um, I've been married for a long time. Uh, Anybody want to guess? Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, no. Um, um, I, okay, well, let me go backwards. I've got five grandkids. I know. I don't look that old, right? And my oldest grandson is 10 years old. So how old do you think I am? Thank you, but no. How long have I been married? Well, I got married when I was 20. Right, yeah. Uh, actually, it was a week after my 20th birthday. My wife said she wouldn't marry a teenager. And so um, we made sure that um, on May 19th, 1964... Not 64, 84. Uh, we got married, and and we know I know that. And if you and if you're Oilers fans, um, that was the when they won their first Stanley Cup on our wedding night. Yeah, we had five TVs at our reception. We couldn't figure out why the guys were going out and, and uh, in, in groups. It was like, you know, usually ladies go to the bathroom together, but these guys... And then we realized, oh, they're watching the hockey game. So we had a long intermission, and we went, and, and my wife had to pull me out of some of the Sunday school rooms um, so that I wasn't watching the game, but the Oilers won their first Stanley Cup on our wedding night. Now, that's exciting for you guys, but I'm not an Oilers fan, so... Um, <laughs> I used to be an Abe, anybody but Edmonton. Um, I do support Edmonton, of course, because I live in Edmonton now. I'm actually from BC, so I'm a Canucks fan. I know, I know, I know. But you're forgiving people, you know, and you love, you know, whoever's here, so thank you for your love. <clears throat> um, so I've been married for, th- actually, in May, we'll be married for 39 years. 39 long years. Um, it's been awesome, most of the time. Uh, my wife said to some friends of ours the other day, uh, they asked how long we've been married, so she said it, and she says, it's been the, she says, 39 years, but it's been the happiest 25 years of my life. <laughs> I went, and she stole my line. That's my line. Anyway, so um, uh, my wife's not with us today. She's not feeling well. Uh, she got <clears throat> that wonderful cold that's going around, and, uh, and so she blessed me, and she sent me a text that I just answered. She's praying for me, so. And uh, I think what she was really saying is, be careful what you say. <laughs> because I may be watching, um, and I'll deal with you after. <laughs> uh, so I am, uh, I, as your pastor said, I, I pastored for 33 years uh, in Pentecost churches. Um, my last pastor was in Drumheller for 21 years, and for the last five plus years, uh, we moved back to Edmonton. Uh, I, I got a master's in marriage and family therapy, and God just has called us to, to reach out to people that are in need, and, uh, and so I actually work for a, a company downtown called the Family Center. I'm actually a clinical supervisor. I run an internship program of 20 interns um, uh, that are doing their master's in. And it's been really neat to see what God is doing. And, and I just really felt God has uh, transitioned us from the formal pastorate to pastoring in the community. So I run a faith group at our, at our organization that has about 300 employees. Uh, we, we just pour into the lives. And, you know, I get to... I get to pastor my staff. I get to pastor those, um, uh, I was going to say young people, they're not, some of them are older than me that have taken their masters to go into counseling. And it's been neat to see how God, you know, the leading of the Holy Spirit, I, I don't care if they're Christians or not. They need the leading of the Holy Spirit. They need somebody to speak into their lives. And we need people to speak into our lives. And we need to speak into people's lives. 
And so uh, I, I've been working there for just over five years. I also do some private practice, mostly marriage stuff. And uh, I was telling Pastor, I, I'm kind of one of those weirdos that loves dealing with the spiritual stuff. And so a few pastors in the city goes, yeah, we don't know what to do. We'll send you to Dan. He, he likes that. And so I have some friends that go, you're weird. I went, yes, but I, I love when people get free. Yes. To me, that's what it's about. Yes. So, I mean, since we've been Edmonton, and um, I was... I was wondering if I should even share this, but, you know, we've had, I mean, 15 to 20 couples that have come for, for uh, counseling, and uh, three have ended up in, in separation and have helped a couple with separation agreements, and, and uh, one ended up in divorce. But, you know, the other ones were, are, are, are thriving. And uh, the other day, it was, well, before, we went to Mexico a couple weeks ago, and so just before that, one of the couple, well, a guy comes up to me, we were talking to somebody, he says, hey, how are you doing, Dan? I said, great, how are you doing? He was, we'd counseled them and his family. He, he goes, well, how do you know them? He goes, well, Dan saved our marriage. And I went, no, no, no. Dan saves nothing. Dan doesn't save any marriages. Dan doesn't deliver anybody. Jesus does. And, and I said to him, I said, you did all the work. You and your wife did all the work to make your marriage work. God was just put me in the place to help you walk through where he wanted you to go. Now, that was not even part of my sermon, but <clears throat> it's good. It's just good. It's just good. Um, so, you know, I got a lot of stuff, you know, um, to talk about. I don't even know where I want to go, but, you know, you know I'm going to start with, um, how about, have anybody ever seen Family Feud? Yeah. Okay, so here's, I don't know if it works on the PowerPoint. If not, don't worry about it, but let's see. Oh, yeah, go to the next slide. Perfect. Excellent. Family Feud. So, <clears throat> here's the first question, okay? Uh, don't, don't press any buttons yet. So, um, what wives think their hub- husbands want in marriage? So, what wives think their husbands want in marriage? So, anybody just yell out, what do you think wives want in marriage? Okay, I heard obedience. What else? Oh, what, what, what was that one? Sex. Okay, good. Awesome. Communication. Okay, good. So, this is what wives think that husband wants in marriage. So the number one thing that wives, that wives think they're married, that I, in my experience has been, number one is? Sex. Number two is sex. No, no. Two is <laughs> sports. They want to they watch sports. Number three is, is control. This is what wives think that husband wants. Number four is praise. And number five is? Money. Money. But let me tell you, as I've been doing this for a long time, even when I pastored, you know, in Drumheller, we, we did so much counseling. We were kind of the, the community place to go. Like, we were the, our church was the community place to go. People came. I mean, I counseled people from every church, people that didn't go to church. I, I, I accepted anybody that came to my doors because I, I just like talking to people. And you'll find that out in a minute. Um, so what husbands really want in marriage, this is what husbands have been telling me. So let's do this. Number one, respect. Yeah? Husband, are you okay with that? Okay, good. How about number two? Safety. So safety, like, I, I, want, I want a place when I go home that's safe. I don't want a cantankerous wife. I, 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 want, I want safety and peace. Any, any guys with me? Anybody? Oh, at least three people. Good, awesome. You're, you're tracking with me. Number three, support. I just want to feel supported. This is what, this is what the husbands have been telling me, what they would like and need from their Wives. Number four, uh, encouragement. Just want to be encouraged. I want. I want you to. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go for taking out the garbage. Thanks for remembering. I know. I mean, you laugh, but you know that was a big thing in our house. Anyways, and number five is uh, sex. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Can, can you can you imagine? Can, can you think about 
the God of the universe, the one that loves us so much and then think about sex at the same time? Well, you should be able to. He created it. Come on. Come on. He, he's the one that made it something beautiful. It's the world and the enemy that's made it something smutty and dirty. It's a beautiful thing. I have not something else to say, but I, I just heard my wife's voice saying, don't say that. <laughs> and if you're sitting there, she's going like, don't go there. Anyways, number, uh, the next, the, go to the next slide. Um, what husbands think their wives want in marriage? So uh, what, do you, what, what would be the thing, the, I only have five, you know, what, what are the things that, he, that um, husbands think that wives want? Safety. Safety, okay, what else? Love. What? Love. Love, okay, good. Cherishment, okay. My money, yeah, okay, good, 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 yeah. Okay, well, let's take a look. Number one, number one reason, thing is control. This is what husbands think that wives want, wives want in marriage. This is what we're hearing, okay? I've been doing this for a long time. Okay, I mean, I'm not saying this is number one, but it's number one on my list. Okay, number two, talking and listening. Are you listening to me? Number three, money. I just heard my wife's voice. Move on. Number four, gifts. Number five, hopefully sex. (laughs) Come on, you got to be true. That's true. Come on. What is faith? The substance of things hoped for? No, no, that's another another sermon. Stop it. Stop it. Anyways, next one. All right, so what wives really want in marriage. And so this is, this is what I've heard from women, what they really desire in their marriage from their husband. Okay, are you ready? Oh, what, what do you think some of them are? Security, love, safety, yeah, what else? Compliments, good, yeah. Cherished, okay, good. And you know what? I think it'll be different. It's probably different from somebody that just got married. <laughs> Because um, I, I remember, no, that's later. I'll talk about that later. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I've been married 39 years, you know. Well, they'll be 39 this year. And uh, it feels like, I thought, 39 years, wow. My, my wife's parents have been 50-some years. And I'm like, man, they've had to put up a lot. <laughs> a few of you got it. That's good. Okay, so what wives really want in marriage? Number one, be number one. They want significance. They want to feel significant in their marriage. In the marriage, is that true? Yeah. I heard guys saying, "Yep, that's true." Uh, what about ladies? Is that true, <laughs> guys? It doesn't matter what you say, really. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we want to. Okay, number two. Security. Yes. Want to feel secure. They don't need Superman. They just want you to be the man of God. In the home. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. Number three, intimacy. And I put man sex. <laughs> See, intimacy isn't about sex. Oh, it's maybe included in that, but most, most, women, most wives and women are telling me that it's not about, you know, why husbands think, you know, well, I just want intimacy, and they think, oh, sex, let's go. Come on. We live in a real world, don't we? Like, you're just as real as everybody else, so we think about these things, and it's okay. But intimacy is, and this is how I like to remember, it's into me you see. 
If you take something away from today, you may not take anything away from me, that's okay. That's between you and God. Um, But you know what? I desire that you just take something away today and and something that the Holy Spirit can implant in your heart. If this is it, this is good too. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, and number four, what wives want, they want uh, sharing life together. They They want to be a part of something with you. And number five is being heard. Just want to be heard. And that's all about communication. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Is that okay? So I, I have a, my message title this morning is, uh, you can flip to it now, uh, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, but I couldn't come up with seven. Um, so I, I came up with three. Uh, uh, Yeah. So, what do you think the first one is? Take a wild guess. Okay, not first one, but that's one of them. Yeah, what's another one? Can you hint? Thank you. <clears throat> love. Okay, so let's go to the next one. So, so love. There's something about this thing called love. You want to make your marriage work, we need to have love. Now, I'm not talking about you know, the love that I have for sushi, you know? Um, and if my son-in-law is watching, that was for you. Um, I, so um, I actually make, you know, I love sushi, and uh, I probably shouldn't talk about sushi any much more than that, um, but I love sushi. But that's not the love I'm talking about. I'm not love that I have for my truck. You know, uh, when I go hunting and I'm in my four-wheel drive truck, um, and, you know, I feel pretty safe in there until uh, two years ago we got stuck for about five, uh, felt like five hours of about two and a half hours. We had to dig ourselves out. Luckily, I had a good friend with me, and we, you know, it's not that love I'm talking about, but I love my truck. Um, But love is something, if we talk about love, it's, some things, uh, some things are loved because they are valuable, and sometimes they are valuable because they are loved. Just let that sink in for a second. And I, I want to I thank God for that, because that's God's love, the, one, the love that he has for us. We are loved because we are valuable, and we are valuable because we are loved. Let that sink into your spirit. You're loved. And the Bible says in John uh, 1, 1 John, I think, uh, 4, 16. Um, and so we know that we rely on the love God has for us. God is love, and, and that's it. God is love. Do you want to know what real love is? It's about the love that God has for us. There's something about that love that the creator of the universe, the creator of all things, loves us. He loves you. Wow. And in the New Testament, we see a lot of words used for, for, for love. And, and again, you know... Um, I'm going to mention sushi one more time because I love sushi and I make sushi and I love sushi, but it's not that love. It's, it's a different kind of love. It's an indescribable, it's an unconditional, it's a completely and total unfailing love that is dependent on the 
character of the lover. Hmm. And not on the performance of another. That's why God's love, uh, that's how, how God loves humanity. I don't have to perform for God to love me. He's not going to love you anymore. If you read another Bible verse or pray another prayer or do another flag or sing another song, he's not going to love you anymore because he already loves you as much as he's going to love you. His love is everlasting. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think love is that foundation that we need in marriage, in, in relationship. I love that. I, I underline it in my notes. It's dependent on the character of the lover. That's why I read that verse, God is love. Because sometimes, you guys, sometimes you're not going to like him or love him. But the love of God is going to transcend that. That's the love. That's the value. God loves us because who he is. God is love. And that's sometimes not how we feel we are. But the love of God in us transforms us. See, love here is not a conditional or situational. You should love each other not because, you know, she gives you pleasure or she does the dishes for you or washes your clothes. We love each other because that's it. See how I did that? That was for emphasis. The point of marriage is not to love each other because you're useful to one another. Because God's love is not dependent on us being useful for, to him. You can't serve another uh, homeless. You can't do, an, you know, another, uh, counsel another person or, or be a friend to somebody or help them financially. God's not going to love you anymore or any less. That's the expression of, of that love that's in us that we do for others. See, love is giving yourselves up for each other, and, and that's how Christ loves people and how you should love each other. So now, we all, we all know the scripture. <clears throat> I'm going to go fairly quickly through it. First Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Wow, it's, a, it's one, of those, one of those verses that some days I wish wasn't there because <clears throat> it would be easier. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. So how many of you live in that? Don't put your hand up, because that's hard. It's a pretty hard standard, isn't it? Because we're human. I'm not God. You're not either. I'm God's child. Thank goodness he still loves me. Even when I mess up. Even when I can't 
love like he loved. I've retranslated it a little bit. Forgive me for those that are biblical scholars here. But when you read this, this is how I think we should read it and understand it. You alone reign in my heart, based on this passage of 1 Corinthians 13. You alone reign in my heart. You are the one I long for. Without you, I am incomplete. I will give you everything. I will wait for you. It doesn't matter how long. I will always be patient with you. I will never force you, not even by words. I want to guard you. I want to protect you. I want to keep you from all evil. I want to share with you my thoughts, my heart, my body, everything that I possess. I want to listen to what you have to say. There's nothing that I want to undertake without your blessing. I want to remain always at your side. Wow. Is that the kind of love we're showing to one another? Do you want to make your marriage work? Go back to the word. Go back to how God loved us. That's how we should love one another. And in later scripture, we're going to see it again. But love is what makes marriage work. I was, um, as I was telling you, I, 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 do, I have a lot of uh, stories I like to tell, um, a lot of things I like to watch, a lot of things. I, I didn't actually bring the video this time because I wasn't sure how it would present here. But um, there's this guy, his name is Sinek Sinek, Simon Sinek, and he talks about why consistencies, consistency matters in relationships. Has anybody heard this? If you have, great. I've slaughtered it a little bit, um, but it's really good. Google it and, and watch it on, on uh, whatever whatever format you want, but watch it because it, I think it's so impactful about consistency. So I just pulled out a couple of things. As, you know, as a marriage and family therapist, I've asked this question, you know, how do you, know, how do you love your spouse? Or do you love your spouse? Do you love your wife? Huh? Yeah, okay, well, good. <laughs> good. I'm glad you said yeah. When did you get married? Oh, okay, look at you go. So do you love your wife? How do you know that you love your wife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wants an answer now. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> so you said you loved your wife, right? Okay, so how do you know that you, that, that you love her? How do I know? Yeah. What would you choose to? Okay. Okay. So was there a time that you went, oh, I really love her? Yes. Okay. So uh, my guess is before you knew her, you didn't love her, right? No. Because you didn't know her. That was pretty obvious, wasn't it? He has a gift <laughs> of obvious. Good. Uh, okay. So before you knew her, you didn't love her. But then you met her. And at some point during that process, you said, I love her. Did it happen right away? Well, why not? It took time. Wow, okay. So it's like um, him in, in his example, it's like you going to the gym um, and uh, working out and, uh, and you, know, you, you go out for your 30-minute, okay, me, it's about 10, uh, minute workout. Um, I'm working on it, just 
don't judge me. Uh, and uh, just joking. But you go on your workout, and uh, you go after you know 20 minutes, and you look in the mirror, and you go, I don't see any difference. So you think, well, okay, I'm going to go tomorrow, and I'm going to do the same thing, and you look in the mirror, and there's no difference. So you think, you know what? I am going to go, and I'm going to work out for like four hours. And you look in the mirror. Well, you're not looking in the mirror because you're on the ground groaning in pain. Uh, But it really has made no difference. So what's the point? The point is, is that as you go consistently over and over and over, you get into shape. It's like brushing your teeth. Going to the dentist twice a year doesn't make any difference other than reminding you that you need to do something. And what does the dentist tell you? Brush your teeth for two minutes twice a day. But brushing your, 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 your teeth two minutes um, you know, during the day doesn't make a difference unless you do it every day. My son-in-law is a dentist, so you know, that was a plug for him. Um, no, sorry. <clears throat> But it's consistency. It's about continuing to go. It's not the, the first time I met wife, I thought, oh, I really love her. But as we traveled in our singing group, and, and I went, I think I can spend some time with this woman. And then, of course, my mom said, I really like her. And I went, mom, butt out. Um, <clears throat> sorry, mom, if you're watching. Uh, but, you know, it's like, but I, I didn't love her. But I was attracted to her. I, was, I, I, I felt a connection with her. And then one day, I was like... You know, we were joking, we were watching a, a chick flick last night, because um, my wife has been sick, and so, you know, I, every once in a while, that's, you know, her love language, uh, so I watch it with her, and um, they said something about, uh, what are you guys laughing at? Anyways, um, and she said something to the effect, of the, in the movie, they said something to the effect, is what they asked them to marry them at least twice, and the wife looks at me, she goes, yeah, it's something like us. I think I asked her three times before she said Yes. <clears throat> I think the first time was, are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. Okay, now, I was in a gravel pit in my little pickup, you know. Um, and my, what are you laughing at? It was so romantic. Not. Um, but love isn't something that we just do once and go, oh, you know, I told her I loved her when I married her, so it must be good enough, right? Uh-uh. And love isn't something that we say, it's something that we do that we act out, that we, that we perform. I mean, perform is the wrong word. But it's a, communi- it's a communicative of a lots of little things. But those little things, the consistency of showing love, that makes the difference in your relationships, in your marriage. It's like grace. Another thing that we say before the meal. So grace is, it needs to be a way of life. That was free. It's a way of life. And so as a, as a therapist, as a counselor, I, I talk about five love languages, you know, and, and how we, we need to love one another. And, and um, you know, and, you know, even when we are struggling and going through those tough times, I, I recognize that my wife's love language is quality time. And so... Um, and, and mine is words of affirmation, and, I, and I, I need those words of affirmation. She says, well, I don't want your head to get too big. Um, what was that laughter about? Like, it's like, okay, but it, that's true. Um, and, uh, and, and so I had to begin to learn how, what, how she needed to be loved. So I began to um, 
give her quality time. It's interesting about love languages, and that's what I've learned over the years. Um, we also fought in our love languages. Yeah. So um, when we'd fight, everyone, you know, not, not often, but, you know, from time to time. <clears throat> um, she's uh, German, and I'm Russian. Sometimes we had the Cold War in our house. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> I love that skit. Okay, thanks. Um, um, and I would say, I, I would. I would say things like to her as she's yelling and screaming at me. I said, talk to the hand, the face is listening, and I would walk away. Basically saying to her, don't laugh, you've done the same thing, just differently than me. Um, and basically saying to her, you don't deserve the love that, I, that you should deserve. And I reach down her throat and grab it out of her bank and say, you don't deserve this. Basically, that's what I was telling her. And she would say things like, you never take out the garbage, you're a... whatever. And, and she basically reached down my throat and say, you don't deserve being affirmed. And it didn't go very well, let me tell you. When our kids left home, we actually ended up, uh, uh, there was a door slamming and something like, I may not come back. I was pastoring, by the way, at that point, um, and doing great work with other couples. And, uh, and uh, it's true, you know? It's way easier to tell other people what to do than to do it myself. Come on, it's true. So we went for counseling. Because she needed it. (laughs) But I needed it twice as much. Because she kept on saying things like, stop being my counselor. Stop being my pastor. That's all I knew, because principles work. Like, if she would just listen to me, everything would be fine. Come on. Some of you are laughing. Don't laugh too much because you're sitting close to your spouse, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's why you have space. Okay, good. But we began to realize that um, we needed to get back to some basics and some things that we'd forgotten. The buffer was our children. And I have two daughters, both grown, both married. I already told you that we have five grandkids. Um, And... uh, proud of them, love them. But in that moment in our lives, it was, it was the worst time of our lives. Well, for me it was. Because my identity was built into having a wife. Because if I didn't have a wife, then I didn't have a ministry. I, how could I be a counselor, marriage, family therapist? How could I do any of those things? And at that point, I had to learn how to love. Well, let me go back. I had to learn and accept God's love for me I had to learn how to love myself because until I loved myself, I couldn't love my wife. And I'd gotten so busy doing good things for the, for the work of the ministry, for people. You know, my wife keeps on saying things like, I just need your support. And I'm thinking, two by four, holding up a wall. You know, like that's what I thought support was. And I'd say, well, what is support? She goes, if you, if, 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 if you love me, you would know. No, I'm an idiot. I don't know. Tell me. <clears throat> And eventually she would start telling me, and I'm going, okay, I don't want you to tell me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so communication, the, the, the internal part is within our marriage. We need to pay attention and listen to while our partner is speaking. Listen to understand, not listen to try to figure out what you're going to say next, or how you're going to get out of that sticky situation that you put yourself into. That's for both of you. 
husbands and wives. That's for all of us as, as believers. That's all of us as humans. Validating our partner's thoughts and feelings. Oh, yeah, you think that's really easy. No, it's not. It's difficult because you have to get out of your own head. You have to get out of your own desire to be wanted and needed and to be loved and to be cared for. And I don't think there's any skill more, than, more important to develop than the art of clear communication because without communication, love cannot be completely expressed. So as we talk about this area of communication, we, we, we need to recognize and realize that, that love is expressed through how we talk to one another. Here's the good and bad news. <clears throat> Every... In every marriage, communication takes a lifetime to learn. I know that sucks, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, she told me not to say that word. Sorry, hon. Um, But it does. It really sucks. It's like, I thought I had it down, and then things change. Circumstances change, and she and I need it differently, and we need to communicate differently. And Man, marriage is a lot of work. I don't know if you realize that. It's not static, it's, it's dynamic, it's moving, it's changing all the time. You know why? Because we're changing. And I hope we're changing to the good. I have a, I have a book on sale, $39.95. Here it is. Mind Reading and Marriage, special price today, $39.95. Actually, no, I didn't write this book at all. I'm actually writing a book, but this isn't it. Um, but I, I think I'll have a chapter in here. You know what, um, folks, we think, you know, this is one of the things that I hear all the time, well, she should know. He should know what I want. No, I don't. I am caught up in my own little world. My wife goes, "What do you?" We were on holidays in Mexico a couple weeks ago. She goes, "I was thinking, I don't know even what I was thinking." She goes, "What are you thinking about?" And I said, "Nothing." <laughs> she goes, "You got to be thinking about something." I said, "Well, now I'm thinking of something that I'm going to try to get out of this conversation, but I'm not." But actually, I was thinking because I have a nothing box, and I just put it there, and I just go think of nothing. So leave me alone. I'm thinking of nothing because I feel good about thinking about nothing. Reality, I was probably thinking of something, but I didn't want to probably tell her, or I didn't remember after she asked me the question because it was really nothing. Wives out there, we can't read your minds. Really, we can't. Please tell us what you want. Clearly communicate, repeat back, rephrase, all those wonderful things we talk about in counseling. Quick story. Could be trouble. Trouble. Um, My wife would come down to my office. She'd go, in Drumheller, sorry, Pastor, um, there was two places that, you know, people hang out. Tim Hortons and Walmart. I mean, it's a small place. Come on. So um, my wife would come down, go come to my office or come to the couch or whatever. She goes, hey, you want to go to Walmart with me? And I'm thinking to myself, I would rather, rather watch paint dry. <clears throat> I went, no, uh, I'm good. And, um, and then a few minutes go by and doors are slamming and I'm, I'm overreacting. I mean, overstating it. But anyways, and I thought, I thought you were going to Walmart. She goes, well, I was kind of hoping you were going to go Walmart with me. I went, um, well, why didn't you just ask me? Because, I, well, you're watching TV program. I said, no, I don't shut it off. There's a little red button called record if I really wanted to see it later. 
And so she'd keep on asking, so do you want to go? No, I don't want to go to Walmart. Well, I says, do you want me to go? She said, yes. I thought maybe we'd go out for coffee to Tim Hortons after. Okay, so why didn't you say that? I can't read your mind. So whose fault was it? Hers or mine? Yes, I like it. Yes, both actually. So thank you. <laughs> you know what? I've learned that, careful how I say this, that it was part of my responsibility to read between the lines too. So I asked the question, do you need me and want me to go to Walmart with you? I'd still rather watch paint dry. Because I'm not a shopper, I'm a buyer. I go in, I know what I'm going to get, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to leave. She's a browser. Drives me insane. We have to go down every aisle. Come on. And some of you are laughing because you don't laugh too hard or you get nudged. But we're not mind readers, so communicate properly. So when she says it's your decision, what she really means is the correct decision should, all, uh, should be obvious to you by now. Right? So when she says, you're not listening to me, too late, you're busted. When she says, uh, I'll be ready in a minute, you may as well just kick off your shoes and uh, find a good game on the TV because it's going to be a while. When he says, oh, it would take way too long to explain, what he really means is I have no idea how it works. <laughs> when he says, take a break, honey, you're working way too hard, what he really means is, I can't hear the game over your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> when he says, you look terrific, honey, what he really means is, oh, please, don't try another outfit. We're late, and I'm hungry. <laughs> what you and how you speak matters. Here's a scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of, of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things out of the treasury of an evil heart. So what flows from your heart, your mouth is going to speak. So another verse, version says, this is, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. I'm asking all of you today, what's in your heart? When a couple sit in front of me, and they're slandering, and they're hurting each other, their words are only showing me what's in their heart. What's the last negative thing you said to your spouse? Check your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. What we say matters. Let's do a heart check today. Do a heart check for yourself today. So that's internally. That's between husband and wife. But externally. How do we communicate? Well, Proverbs chapter uh, 27, verse 17, it says, as, as sharpen, uh, iron sharpens iron. And I know that um, pastors talk to me about what you have uh, some uh, coaches, uh, marriage coaches, I was going to say mentors, but marriage coaches that you've developed uh, uh, here in the, in the church. But you know, there's something about as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens another. And there's something about this simple statement that no one can do it alone. And in order to make yourselves better, there's a benefit in making uh, others be a part of your life. I call it mentorship. 
I have people in my lives, when I have a, a bad day from work, I get into my vehicle and I have, depending on the traffic, I have 30 to 45 minutes to get home. And I click the little button on my steering wheel and I have great Bluetooth and I phone a friend and I had a crappy day today. And you know what? He just listens. Sometimes he gives me a good kick upside the, you know, where. And then other times he, he virtually puts his arms around me and says, it's going to be okay, Dan. Well, Dan, you know better than that. We need each other. We need to follow through in, in mentorship and, and followership and discipleship and in leading. And as I was telling the pastor, I, I think the church in general, we've lost this art of being there for one another and actually caring for one another. And I, 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 you know, I pastored and I cared about my flock, but sometimes I didn't always care about my wife like that. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about that. James chapter 5, you're probably familiar with this. The first, the uh, verse uh, 14 says, hey, if you're sick, call on the elders of the church and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Isn't that awesome? Anybody need a touch from God today? Put your hand up. Anybody? Okay, one, two. God's going to touch you. He's touching you right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You go, well, why did you bring up that verse? Because the next very verse, he talks about physical healing in that verse. In the next verse, he says, confess your faults one to another so that you can be healed. He's not talking about physical healing. He's talking about soul healing. He's talking about, he's talking about that inner part of us. And so when we confess our faults to one another, when we repent with one another, there's something that takes place in the spirit realm that allows God to be a part of it and it begins to break that thing inside of you and you begin to have some freedom in your life as you walk it out. And there's something about saying, I am struggling. And man, if you think crying is weakness, it's strength. I'll tell you some stories. I mean, there was snot, and I was on the ground. There was snot going from back and forth. And it was like, I, I'd been crying for a couple hours, and it was like, and I was just, and God was dealing. I know it wasn't, that wasn't pretty, was it? And it was like, I, it was, I, I, I'm going, and people are seeing this. I'm going, God, why? He says, because I need to break that down in you. And we need to confess our faults and pray. Well, he says, confess your, you know, we need to confess our faults or our sins with the other. And then he says, and pray for each other that you may be healed. So it's about taking action. It's not like, oh, I just heard you. Okay, sorry. Sorry you're feeling that way. No, no, no. There's action. There's an action to go and pray, to, to inactivate uh, the faith that we may have. Or the, what we're going through may be able to help somebody else. And, and this is, by the way, the word of God. This isn't Dan. This isn't, you know, this is what God says. And, and I've practiced this my whole life, most of the time. <laughs> you know, um, and I found in that confession, there's something that so helps within my marriage and outside of my marriage. Um, also, I do it to a trusted person, by the way. That's an important thing. <laughs> you don't want to tell the gossip unless you want everybody to know. And, and I usually did, so I told the gossip and they told everybody. Um, no, I'm joking. Sometimes, you know, we manipulate things. The last, the last thing, and I know, oh, I've got a couple minutes left. Good. <clears throat> the last thing that makes marriage work is covenant. Is covenant. Covenant. 
So we've talked about love. We've talked about communication. Now I want to talk about covenant. Now covenant, you know, some people think, you know, I, I, just, need, I just need that sign on the bottom line and I'm married, you know. Well, for a Christian, marriage isn't about a legal agreement. In the Old Testament, a covenant was two kings from two different uh, countries would come together. They would, they would take, a, take some animals, they would kill them, and they would have a, find a crevice in, a wall, in, a, in, a, in the rock. And both kings in their long robes would walk through the blood, having the blood go into the bottom of their, of their cloaks. And basically what they were saying is that if we break the covenant we've just made to one another, this is what should happen to us until death do us part. And that's why we, one of the reasons we have that statement in our marriage ceremonies is until death, it's not the death of the relationship, by the way. <laughs> because if you love like God loves, and you communicate like we talked about, marriage can work. It's been 39 long years, let me tell you. There's been some really great years, and there's been some not so great years. You know, um, on our 25th anniversary, my wife beat me to the punch again. I don't know how she did it. She goes, I'd be free today. What are you talking about? I'd be out of prison if I'd killed you the first year of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, not really. See, love is not just a feeling as described in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a commitment. It's a choice. It's a promise. It's a covenant. And marriage relationship is not 50-50. It's 100-100. If you're only given 50%, it's not going to make it. Guarantee you. It's not going to make it. Did you know that you can never make the same mistake twice? Because the next time you make that mistake, it was a choice. Who? Somebody's like, the heck? He's meddling now in my life. It's a choice. Take responsibility for it. Somebody needs to hear this, and I wrote this down last night. There's at least three things. Number one, whoever this is for, just want you to receive it. Your abuse is not your identity. Somebody else needs to hear this. That the affair that you had is not your identity. That's not who God says you are. Third one. Your divorce is not your identity. Let that sink deep into your spirit right now. I'm not what I think I am because sometimes I lie to myself. I'm not what I think you think I am because I can't sometimes trust you, but I need to be what he says I am. Yes. And you can quote that. Because it's truth. Value. I don't usually do this. I'm take my wallet out. Value. How much is this? 20 bucks. How valuable is it? No, how valuable is it? It's 20 bucks, right? Okay. How valuable is it now? How valuable is it now? Why? Doesn't change. Now, does anybody want 20 bucks? Come and get it. Who first one comes? 
But stop. No, but stop. I, I want you, and this is what God's calling to you. We, 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 I'm giving you the 20 bucks. You keep the 20, but I want you to give it away. To somebody, no, 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 stop. I want you, I want you to think about who you're going to give it to. Somebody that's in need. No, no, stop praying about it. Just go and do it. Don't pray. Don't get spiritual on me. Just go and do it. Give it to somebody that you, right now that's in need. Go. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. And, and here's your $20 because, yes, because you're obedient. This is God's principle. And I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it again. Um, and does, does anybody else want 20 bucks? Okay, there, there. I got one more. Anybody else want to? There we go. Sorry for those people in the back. But you can give it away if you like. It's up to you. It's your choice. Okay, one more. Anybody else want to 20 bucks? There you go. What's my point? <laughs> You'll remember, I was that guy that gave out 20 bucks. Usually it's five and I forgot to get change. <laughs> we have value. God's given us value. I don't know what your background is. God does. But you know, he doesn't care. Because he values you. Maybe you were crumpled up and maybe you felt like you were under somebody's foot. God still values you. You're still valuable in his sight. Because he made a covenant. He made it with Abraham. And you know what? God walked through and he says, if I break my covenant, this is what should happen to me. And Adam, uh, Adam, um, uh, Abraham didn't walk through it because Abraham couldn't because he would die. So God is on our side. He's saying, I've made a covenant with you and you can make it. And we make a covenant with one another. We make a covenant with our spouses and say, I'm going to do it until death do us part. Not death of how I feel about you. I'm going to stick to you. And, 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 and really quick, we're going to go through uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And, and 5 is like one of those scriptures you go like, well, somebody said, why are you using that one? Because it has that word submit to it. And it's really bad. But this is, I believe, a spirit, spirit-guided relationship for wives and husbands. He says in verse 21, further and further. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's called, talking about mutual subjection or submissiveness to one another. So he starts off this whole thing about husbands and wives, about submitting to one another. We don't usually read that verse because um, in, the, in the old church, in the old way we did things, it's like, wives, submit to your husbands. And then we throw them because the God says so. I, I think that first verse is pretty important. But it says, then wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body and the church, and, submits, and the church submits to Christ, and so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. Wow, okay. So wives go and do that now. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Next verse is true. Because we stop there and we think, you know, guys, we, we got the control here. And if you think that, that's the detriment of the marriage. But the next verse says, for husbands, 
This means love your wives as Christ loved the church. I think, husbands, we've got it. We've got it. I was going to say worse. Um, we, we've got it harder. Because how Christ loved the church, that he gave himself up for the church. And if you as husbands will give up yourselves for your, your spouse or that person that you love, like Christ gave up the church, what woman, what wife wouldn't want to submit to that? Just like we want to submit to God and to Christ because he so loves us. He is love. He's the epitome of love. And so why wouldn't we want? So we as, as his bride submit to him. And we cast our cares on him because not only we know that he, he cares for us, but he knows how to care for us. I mean, the verse goes on and it talks about lots of, the, you know, in verse 28, the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And, and for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his old body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. We are members of his body. And then verse 20, 31, as the scripture says, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two are united into being one. Another whole sermon there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Powerful sermon. Oh, I just love that sermon. Anyways, and this is the great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say to you, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the, the wife must respect her husband. That's what the verse says. I'm going to read another, another translation, but I think, it, I think you've caught the point. I'm going to close with two scriptures, maybe three. <clears throat> See how it goes. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eleven. And first, uh, first Thessalonians five talks at the beginning. The first verses in that verse talks about the second coming of the Lord. How He's coming back someday. You know, we don't know the day or hour, but boy, I just need to be ready. You know, I need to be ready when my wife needs the love of God through me. I don't know if you got that correlation. Just came to me. Just that was free. Whew. And he's coming soon. And and it talks about the darkness of the day, and that we are the children of the light. And let's wake up and be sober, and putting on faith and love. And then verse eleven reads: Therefore, encourage one another with these, uh, encourage one another, and build each other up. Basically, with these words. And we need to encourage and inspire our 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 neighbors is as important as a part of loving ourselves as, as we love our neighbors. And so in your church, you, you've, you've created people that can care for you. And you know what? It's not just the people that have, that have gone through this, this training, but we need to care for one another. I, I've said lots of times, I, if the church was actually doing its job, we probably wouldn't need counselors. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, but, uh, you know, we wouldn't have uh, jobs, you know, kind of a thing. But, you know, but it's true. If we're really doing the work of the ministry of what God has called us to do as the church, and we were there for one another and holding each other up. Okay, the last scripture, James chapter 5. And this has been one of my 
stances is confessing our faults one to another and praying for each other so that we can be healed. And my prayer for you today, that Holy Spirit has spoken something, this man has spoken that has impacted your heart to make a difference in your life, in the life of your marriage, in the life of your neighbors, the life of, of your church, life of your community, and whatever that is, take it and do something with it. Don't be like that one that was given the talent and hid it and didn't know what to do with it. Start using it. Take that step of faith. Allow God to use whatever he's spoken into your heart today. Mothers and fathers, rise up because we need you. Spiritual mothers and fathers, rise up because we need you in this generation. Rise up and be all that God has called you to be. And you may kiss your groom. Huh? Is that good? I love that. I, I, I can't, actually, I came with that while the worship was going on. You know, I, God says, you may kiss the bride. I says, okay, but I'm the bride, so you may kiss your groom. Because when we're in that intimacy with him, it needs to show this way too. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to come. Um, let me say this. I know we're, we're going to have a time of prayer. And maybe you're struggling in your relationship you can come for prayer, but unless you're willing to put some feet to it, it's probably not going to work very well. Sorry. That's just me being blunt. You need to put some feet about it. If you're struggling in your relationship, please come. And this team will pray for you. I will pray for you. I brought my oil because I believe the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. It's only less than half full. I use it a lot. It's not anything magical about the oil, but come and receive, Pastor. Yeah, so Dan mentioned that we've had some people trained up, and I'm just going to ask them to come on up right now. You know who you are, Kurt, Frida, David, Michelle, she's here. The rest of the guys. We have some that are not here today, but we had 13 couples get uh, trained up uh, to become marriage mentors, marriage coaches. Um, yeah, come on up right along here. That'd be great. And we did this because we just feel like this is an area that we need to actually be serious about as a church. You know, today Dan did a wonderful job of just speaking into marriage. And, you know, he used humor as a great tool. But there's a reality to what he's saying. There's some areas where it's hard. There's some areas where we might be stuck. And it's something that doesn't ever shift until we actually do something about it. And so again, as Dan said, you know, we wouldn't need counselors if the church was doing their job and we feel like we need to do our job as a church. So what we did is we got these guys trained up and they're not going to fix your marriage. That's one of the first questions they said after they took the training. Are we expected to fix all these marriages and... No. 
But their role is this, is they're just coaches. They're people that are willing to say, we're going to set our time aside to meet with couples in this church. We want to build relationship with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help build, build lines of communication with you. The way it works is it's, it's once a month with a minimum of 10 sessions in a year. These guys have some stuff that they'll be able to walk you through, but in general, it's really about learning to communicate, learning to talk, and just having somebody else that actually cares. It's, it's like the scriptures Dan was reading. We confess our sins to one another, and we talk about the things and the struggles, and we begin to pray into these things. You know what? We actually begin to see a shift and change. Because the start to shifting our marriages is doing something about it. Surrendering it to God. We also see this as something that, for the new couples, something we've talked about as a church is, you know, it's tough. When I was young, we, we had a young marriage group. And I remember the first time we all came together and we started talking and they were asking, how are your marriages? And everybody was like, oh, they're great, they're fine, they're great. And eventually we got to this one couple who said, wow, I feel terrible because our marriage sucks. And then all of a sudden everybody else goes, well, actually we have some issues too. And well, we do too. And before we knew it, all of a sudden everybody was just talking about the secret stuff. The stuff that gets left hidden in our hearts and then 25 years goes by and we don't know what just happened. Well, our, our heart is this, is whether you're newly married or you've been married for 20 years or 30 years, we just want to have a place for you to go. And so uh, we're going to encourage you that if this is something that you want to actually you know, utilize, you can contact the church, and what we'll actually do is we'll set you up with one of our marriage coaches, and you can start meeting with them probably right away. But today, what are we doing? Today, we're just going to pray. For the marriages in here that are doing great, that is just such a blessing. For the ones that are struggling, it is not over. Today is a new day. Today is a day where we put that stake in the ground and say, you know what, we're going to fight for this. We're going to learn how to communicate. We're going to learn how to love. We're going to learn covenant. So I'm just going to ask us to stand to our feet. I asked these guys if they'd just be willing to pray for people today. And I'm going to encourage you today to utilize this. I don't care if your marriage is good or not. I'm going to encourage you to come to the front and allow these couples just to pray over your marriage because we all need it. I'm going to grab my wife. I want them to pray over me. Because I know this is an area the enemy is coming after. So I want my marriage strong with my wife because we want to help others make their marriages strong too. So Miranda's just going to play for a little while and I'm going to encourage you today before you leave, just come up. Get a little prayer. Let's start the process of making sure this area in our house is clean. This area is healed. This area is functioning right. Let's have a resource for our community. I want to see a church 
where all our marriages are strong. And eventually this ministry reaches out to our community because we want to see our community shifted. I eventually want to see 60 or 70 marriage coaches up here where our church is a resource to a community. We can say no to divorce in our community. We can say we have a resource for you, community. We got something for you because we care about your marriages too. But first step is, is let's just take care of ourselves. So Dan, can I get you just to say a, a prayer and a blessing in general over everybody? And, and then I'm just going to ask after that, Miranda's going to sing a song and we're going to open the altars up for you to come and get prayed for. And we'll kind of go from there. Oh, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for each one of these that are standing here. Pray anointing over them. Pray your anointing over them. Pray your anointing over them in Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. May the words they use are not theirs but yours. Thank you, Lord. Wisdom beyond their years, wisdom beyond their understanding. And I pray for their relationships. They would find that place where they are trusting in you and trusting in one another. And Lord, I, I pray for the marriages of those people where you're going to touch in the future. For those that aren't even here yet, we just speak into those marriages right now in the spirit realm in Jesus' name. And I pray for those that are here and for their marriages and those that aren't married even, Lord, I pray that that we would just come and we'd receive all that you have for us today. And I just pray, God, that that we would allow ourselves to just humbly confess our need for you. Oh, God, we need you. 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 So God, just do what your work, whatever you want to do in this place. May this be a place of healing, empowerment, and setting free. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to open the altars now. Dan's going to be up here. Everybody else is up here. Feel free to come up now and just let someone pray over your marriage and your journey. If you have to leave, I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.